Sports. The young swings, and that's a high fly ball. Billikens win! Billikens win! This is Sports Open Line. It's a grand slam! Touchdown, Kansas City! On America's Sports Voice. Yes! KMOX. On a Tuesday night, we welcome you into the program. My name's Matt Pauly. Have you for the full two hours tonight. We're taking you till 8 o'clock this evening. As always, if you want to get involved in the program, you can do so by calling or texting 314-436-7900, 314-436-7900, or you could just tweet at me, at Matt Pauly on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. This is what we got coming up tonight. In about six minutes, we are going to be joined by Gary Parrish from CBS Sports. We'll talk all things at college basketball with him. Big night locally for our college basketball with both Missouri and Illinois in action. Missouri, they've got really their first big test of the year. They are playing at Wichita State. That's a really, really tough place to play. And uh, Illinois, they match up against Syracuse. Illinois should win that game. Syracuse has had a rough... St- Syracuse already has losses against Colgate and Bryant, which is not the teams that you expect to be beating Syracuse. They've lost to Colgate Two years in a row. My apologies to our large group of Syracuse fans who listen to the program on every night basis. But yeah, that's uh, that Illinois should, keyword should, Illinois should get the win tonight uh, against Syracuse. Nothing against Illinois. Like we, we kind of know who they are. They're, they're a really, really good team. I guess the only question is how good can they be? We still don't really know who Missouri is. Uh, They've beat everybody that they've played, but they haven't really played anybody. And now they get the opportunity to do so uh, going to Wichita. And they've got three really intriguing games uh, in the month that's left of non-conference play. They'll play this one tonight against Wichita State. They've got a non-conference game against Kansas. And they also have a uh, a non-league game, obviously, here in St. Louis against Illinois. So, yeah, it gets tougher. It gets a lot tougher for Coach Gates and Missouri moving forward. Uh, but those are, uh, we'll talk college basketball with Gary Parrish coming up in uh, just a little while. We'll talk a little college football. In the second hour, a lot of baseball to uh, get to. Adam Wainwright is uh, going to be participating in the World Baseball Classic. What do we take away from that? For me, it just seems like he is continuing to go through, uh, just trying to experience everything he can possibly experience before his baseball career comes to an end, which is cool for me. I I enjoy seeing that, so we'll talk about that. We'll talk with Mike Farron from MLB Network Radio and uh, get his thoughts not just on uh, the Cardinals but all of uh, Major League Baseball. We'll talk some St. Louis Blues coming up in the final hour as well. They lose yesterday. I'm, I'm struggling to get words out of my mouth because I don't know what to say about this Blues team. And in in some ways, it's actually, this is going to be a really weird thing to say, in some ways, there there's some comfort to the fact that they are not just going through these long streaks of wins and long streaks of losses. They've gone loss-win-loss now in their last three. And, I mean, before that, they had another loss. They've gone loss-loss-win-loss in their last four, and that was following that seven-game winning streak. But this is the first time that they've kind of alternated back and forth losses and wins and to me that tells you that okay we're going to start to really get a feeling now 
of who this team really is. I guess the news of the day is the fact that uh, Robert Thomas was back uh, on the ice uh, today for uh, optional skates. So that's good news. He missed yesterday's game. So that's kind of a rundown of what we've got going on on the show today. Up next, though, we are going to be joined by Gary Parrish. We'll talk all things college basketball with him. That's next. This is Sports Open Line on KMOX. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular-season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Your home of the Cardinals. Arnado swings and hits it deep to left field. That ball is out of here. The Billikens. Jumper. Yes! Billikens win! The Chiefs. Touchdown! Kansas City! We are America's Sports Voice. KMOX. Big night locally for college basketball. Missouri gets tested for the first time as they had two Wichita for a game against Wichita State. Illinois, they play Syracuse. They should beat Syracuse. It's been a rough start for uh, Syracuse with losses, uh, a couple bad losses against uh, Colgate and Bryant. To talk all things college basketball, very happy to uh, welcome on a uh, college basketball analyst for uh, CBS and CBSSports.com. He is Gary Parrish. You follow him on Twitter at Gary Parrish CBS. Gary, thanks so much for your time. How are you? I'm great, man. Appreciate you having me. Got to ask you this. You you put together uh, your daily college basketball rankings. Why do you do that to yourself on an everyday basis? It's a perfectly reasonable question. <laughs> I used to, when I first got this job, we would rank teams every Sunday night. And so that was the idea. Hey, the AP poll, coaches poll come out Monday morning, but we'll give the people updated rankings on Sunday night, and that'll make us the first rankings that publish in the week. And that was very successful in the spirit of generating page views. And at some point, I don't even remember how many years ago it was, uh, one of my editors came to me and said, you know what we think is that we would do incredible numbers if you were to update these literally every morning of the season. And I can tell you that it does do incredible numbers. Like the bang for the buck you get, because, I mean, it does take me real time. I write about a 350-word lead. I rank the teams. I have pretty basic comments about each team. I spend probably somewhere between an hour and two hours on it every single day. Uh, but the the return on investment, for lack of a better phrase, is, is pretty significant. Like, I could write the best column you could you could imagine related to any college basketball topic, and it probably wouldn't do as well numbers-wise as those rankings do every single morning. So – why do I do it? It's, it's because it, it, it literally generates incredible amounts of page views um, that my bosses appreciate, but it does start to feel like a, like a, a, like a chore. Like every morning I got to wake up, you know, brush my teeth and rank basketball teams. It's like very much a part of my routine. Is it a daily thing where you hear from the fan base of a certain team that probably won the night before? The Hey, Paris, we, we, that was a good win, and you only raised us four spots. What are you thinking? You get a lot of that. The one that's – and that's fine. Like, whatever. These things are obviously subjective. You know, should somebody move up four spots or six spots? I mean, we could debate it forever um, and never get anywhere. So it's a waste of time. 
Um, the one that is frustrating, the complaint I get more than anything else, is like a team plays on a Saturday. They get a big win on a Saturday. So I move them up accordingly on Sunday. And then another team plays on Sunday. They get a big win. I move them up Monday morning. And if you only look at Monday morning's rankings, it'll show that the team on Saturday stayed exactly where it was on Sunday. And somebody will say, well, we beat a, a top 10 team uh, and you didn't move us up. But this other team beat a top 20 team and you moved them up seven spots. You know, that, that's wildly inconsistent. What they don't recognize is they update these rankings every single day. Your big win on Saturday, that was accounted for on in Sunday's rankings. I don't account for it once again in Monday's rankings. Like you're already where you were supposed to be. You would think that literally putting it in all caps, these are daily rankings that upset, up, update every day would, would tip people off that, hey, if you want to see how much you moved after Saturday's win, you need to look at Sunday morning's rankings, not Monday morning's rankings. But I tell you, I get some version of what I've just explained basically every single day. Gary Parrish, CBS Sports, continuing to join us. Uh, we're It's so much fun being in St. Louis right now with the Billikens doing what they're doing. They play Auburn this past Sunday. They lose that game by five at Auburn. It's a game that they shot four of 14 at the free throw line, and they lose by five. And really, that's a two-point game, if not for for the fouling late. I think you're in Memphis, and Slew played Memphis and beat them uh, earlier this year. Uh, what's kind of your takeaway of how good this Billikens team can be? I always thought they would be good. I like had up to the top 30 of my rankings all offseason. I mean, you look at the r- roster, you've got accomplished guys. And the big X factor you know, accomplished guys who had already done it at the Division One level. And by done it, I mean, you know, proved themselves to be legitimate, high-major caliber college basketball players. The big X factor was obviously um, uh, Javante Perkins because he was coming off such a serious injury, and you just don't know what somebody's going to look like after missing so much time. And I think it's fair to, to say that he's been a little less than what he was pre-injury. You know, field goal percentage down a bit, shots per game down a bit. But that's not to be unexpected, particularly in in November of the comeback season. Ultimately, I think he's going to get back to where he was. And then when you just look at the other guys on the roster, this is a team that I I think should not be sweating out Selection Sunday. You know, right now, you know, five and two. And you don't like getting blown out by Maryland. Like, that was both disappointing and surprising. But, you know, Maryland 6-0 and heading into tonight's game at Louisville, ranked in the top 25. And that means right now, SLU has got two losses, both to, to currently ranked teams. They got wins over a Memphis team that I think is going to finish second in the AAC and over a Providence team that is you know, typically rock solid under Ed Cooley. So the resume is, 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 is pretty sound right now. And really, as long as they just don't fall apart for whatever reason in the Atlantic 10, they're going to be safely on the right side of the bubble. But that is, you know, the challenging thing about playing in a league like the A-10. Um, you know, if you play in a league like the Big 12, the challenging thing is you got to play a real team every night. But the good part of that is, you know, your wins are quality wins and your losses are quality losses. When you get into the A-10 portion of the schedule, most of their games are only going to be games that can hurt them, not necessarily help them. And it becomes very difficult for coaches to, 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 to walk that, that, that line where, man, we got to win every game just about or else we take a bad loss, according to the selection committee. 
So as long as they can avoid that, they'll be fine. But obviously they will have to avoid that. This question might sound very different if I were to ask it a month from now after they play their game tonight against Wichita State in addition to games against Kansas and Illinois coming up. But Missouri's undefeated. I I didn't have expectations for them going in the season, but they're they're undefeated. Haven't played a whole lot, but uh, you look at their roster and you see some guys there. Like it, it feels like maybe this team can be a little bit better than the expectations going into the year. Would you agree with that? Yes, and all of the comp- computers do as well. One of the things I noticed in the preseason, once Ken Palm unveiled its preseason rankings, BartTorvik.com had its preseason rankings is that Missouri was a little higher in those than I would have anticipated. And um, what that suggests is that Dennis has done um, just an incredible job of, of remaking that roster in one offseason. It's why I think Louisville fans, for one, are frustrated with what's happened with that program with a new coach. Because what Kenny Payne or anybody – um, you know, rationalizing what's happening at Louisville right now. And for people who don't know, Louisville's 0-6, probably about to be 0-7 tonight, and will become just the second power conference team in the past 40 years to start a season 0-7. It's really, really bad. And what people defending or rationalizing Kenny Payne would say is, hey, he inherited a mess. But with the transfer portal and the one-time transfer waiver, you can really remake a roster very, very quickly. And, and, and you know, that, that is what Dennis was, was able to do. I think seven of the top eight scores at Missouri right now are newcomers who were obtained via the transfer portal. So there are no excuses. And, and Dennis understood that when he took the job and, and went out and got the work. And now you've got a team that is ranked 37th at Ken Palm. Like, you know, if you're in the top 40 at Ken Palm on Selection Sunday, you are almost always going to be an NCAA tournament team. And so, obviously, the SEC is incredibly difficult and incredibly deep. So we'll see how it goes. But you literally could not have gotten off to a better start. And based on the computer numbers alone, this is a team that I think has realistic aspirations to play in the NCAA tournament. So comparing the two, Gates to Payne, and I think it's an interesting comparison, is this where bringing in a guy who is a mid-major coach? Because when you're at Cleveland State – you're going to lose a bunch of kids who think they should be Power 5 players, and you're going to bring in a bunch of kids who don't succeed at, at the Power 5 level. That's the life of a mid-major coach, and it happens every single season. Having that skill set as a coach and as a recruiter, does that maybe bring more value to a rebuild than a Payne whose his college experience has come at big-time programs that can go get anybody and maybe has a little bit of an NBA experience in there as well? I think it's certainly possible. I guess the the one thing I would point out is that when you get into conversations about guys who are successful hires, either quickly or eventually, you can find any example to fit whatever point you're trying to make. So right now, if you're trying to say, man, Louisville, you should have known better, hiring a guy who had never been a head coach, well, then, and had only ever worked at, at you know, at a big-time program and maybe didn't know how to rebuild a roster, then the counter to that is Tommy Lloyd at Arizona, mm-hmm. who had only ever been an assistant coach, had only ever worked at a big-time program, got the job at Arizona, remade the roster, got a one seed last year, and looks like he might do it again. If you start saying, well, that's what you do then, like Tommy Lloyd, you hire assistants who understand how to recruit at the highest level, 
because, like, you know, look at Tommy Lloyd. And then you point to Kenny Payne and say, well, that's who that guy was. I think ultimately it, it just comes down to individuals. Like, uh, I, I can show, you know, John Calipari became a Division One head coach when he was either in his late 20s or early 30s, and he was awesome. That doesn't mean that every young coach will be awesome. Brad didn't become a Division One head coach until I think he was 59 years old, and he's great. But that doesn't mean plucking some 59-year-old who's never been a head coach before um, is a smart thing to do. It really just comes down to does the guy you hired have the goods? And the best thing working for Dennis was that he had already proven to not only understand how to navigate, you know, the transfer portal and, and, and remake rosters, but he had a track record of winning. The guy was winning college basketball games. And um, it, it, it seemed like a totally reasonable higher when Missouri made it, and I bet you Mizzou fans are, are thrilled with the way it's going so far. Last question for uh, Gary Parrish from CBS Sports Illinois playing Syracuse tonight. Just one loss this year against a Virginia team that was ranked number 16. You look at that roster, you see the addition of a Terrence Shannon Jr. who is scoring 20-plus points per night. Man, I, I, I don't see the holes in this Illinois team. They're really good. They are really good, and Terrence Shannon, like in in that multi-team event, had the one game where he just like looked like a Player of the Year candidate. He was terrific. Um, the the issue with an Illinois, and this isn't an issue, it's just that they play in a league where I think there's a lot of teams that are pretty close in capabilities. Um, you know. Uh, Michigan State has has uh, already a, a big win on its resume. Purdue just went uh, to Portland and blasted Gonzaga and blasted Duke. Um, I think Michigan is better than what it's shown so far. Indiana is still undefeated. Ohio State, um, you know, is going to be a top 25 caliber team under Chris Holtman, you know, a- every single year. You know, the, the, that league, like you can be good – and finish ninth. Yeah. And, and so that's the, that's the thing that, you know, I, I think you could reasonably take the top seven or eight in the Big Ten and put them not in any order, but in a lot of different orders. And so I guess I'd bottom line it this way. When I watch Illinois, I see the same things you see. I see a team that could absolutely win the Big Ten. I also see a team that could finish sixth or seventh in the Big Ten, but still be one of the 30 best teams in the country. There's a lot of, of, of high-level high-quality basketball teams in that league, and absolutely Illinois is one of them, and it's going to be a fun conference race to watch unfold. He is Gary Parrish. You can uh, follow him on Twitter, read him at CBSSports.com, check out his daily rankings, and then yell at him when he doesn't uh, move your team up enough. (laughs) Gary, thank you so much for your time. Hopefully we can uh, catch up again in the future. I look forward to that. Take care, man. You bet. There's Gary Parrish. uh, At Gary Parrish, CBS, by the way, his Twitter handle if you want to uh, follow him. I can't imagine waking up every morning and putting together two hours of updating my rankings on a daily basis. Good on him. That's, that's, that's tough work to do. And I just know he hears it from people every day. You moved us up three spots, but last week you moved this team up. What are you doing? Yeah, that's, that's the life that Gary Parrish lives. So we appreciate him taking a little bit of time with us. As always, if you want to join the program, you can do so. 314-436-7900. 314-436-7900. We'll talk more college basketball again. Missouri, Illinois. They've got some big ones tonight. Slew back in action coming up tomorrow here on KMOX. 
This is Sports Open Line. Swing it along with the left. That's a grand slam. This is Sports Open Live on America's Sports Voice. Kansas City. KMOX. Continuing on, we appreciate uh, Gary Parrish joining us just a few moments ago. If you're just now tuning in, you're like, they had Gary Parrish on? I love that guy. Can't believe I missed that interview. Well, good for you that uh, we archive Sports Open Line. You can always uh, find it, KMOX.com. Also, the Odyssey app, if you are uh, listening on the radio and you're going to be getting out of your car and you just have to keep listening to what I'm talking about, well, you go to the Odyssey app, and even if there's like that time period that you've missed us for like three minutes because you got out of your car but it took you a little while to bring it up on your phone, good news, on the Odyssey app, you got the rewind feature. So you can uh, you can scroll back. Or if you hear me say something just really dumb, really stupid, which probably happens on a daily basis. You can you can scroll back and be like, did did Paulie just say that? Did did he did he say what I think he said? And uh, and then you can do what people do. You can text in and uh, and tell me about my mistake. By the way, when I do get those texts on occasion, there's uh, if you are nice about it, I appreciate the correction because. I always like to get things right, but when you're a jerk about it, it's like, I don't want to hear that. So just be nice, and I'll appreciate it. I haven't gotten one of those texts in a while, so that's, um, I guess that's a good thing. A uh, couple college basketball notes that I want, or excuse me, college football notes I wanted to get to because the new college football playoff rankings are just out. If we had like a sports breaking news sounder, this is where we would do it. That's, that's it. Uh, USC is into... The top four in the college football playoff rankings as uh, they, if the season were to end right now, USC would be in it. They would join the other top four teams, which are Georgia, Michigan, and TCU. I saw this the other day. So this is somebody else's thought. It's not mine, but I'm stealing it because it was a good thought. Should the college football playoff be set before championship weekend because let's say you're Michigan, right? Let's say you're Michigan and you lose the big 10 title game and you fall out of the playoff. Well, who's going to move in at that point? It's likely to be a team that was not even playing in a championship uh, game. That's that's the problem. Uh, and so do you want to reward teams who don't win their league? That's that's kind of the, the thing that's out there. And to me, there's some sense there. So Michigan, they're going to play in the Big Ten championship game. They're going to take on Purdue. If they lose to an 8-4 and four Purdue team, there is a good chance that the committee drops Michigan. Well, who do they put in? Do they put in Ohio State, who Michigan just beat? Do they just drop Michigan down to four? Do they relook at an Alabama team, even though they're not going to be uh, participating in a uh, in a championship game because the SEC championship game is going to be LSU and Georgia? Here's here's the out of the box thinking that will never happen. And remember a moment ago when I said I say stupid things like on a, on a daily basis that there is a chance that the words that are about to come out of my mouth would be considered dumb. If you are going to continue, and I guess it really isn't going to matter in a couple years when the college football playoff expands. So this is like a right now issue and it doesn't matter. So 
it's it's worthless for me to even bring it up. But here I am. I'll bring it up nonetheless. If you are going to continue to not set the college football playoff until after championship weekend, then more teams should be playing on championship weekend and leagues should put together like a third place game and a fifth place game. I don't know how deep you would go on it, but basically any team that would have a a shot to play in a championship uh, in the college football playoff would play on championship weekend so that some teams are not being unfairly uh, you know scrutinized versus teams that did not play that weekend. Again, in the grand scheme of things, this isn't going to matter. The college football playoff is going to expand, yada, yada, yada. Uh, so, like, and that's not going to happen anyways. Didn't the Big Ten do that in the COVID year, or did they just plan to do it in the COVID year? I'm trying to remember. You forget things that happened during the COVID year. Did the Big Ten do that where they had the Big Ten championship, but they also had a third-place game and a fifth-place game and a seventh-place game and so on and so forth? It wouldn't be the worst idea to do it. It creates more games. It creates more TV windows. Uh, it creates more money. Like if you're a league and you just want to bring in more money, if you're the Big Ten or the SEC or the Big 12, any of those T, any of those leagues, and you go to ESPN, you go to CBS, you go to Fox, and you offer them the TV deal, and you say, oh, yeah, by the way, uh, on that championship weekend, yeah, you're going to get you're going to get a big championship game but we've got a lot of teams in the top 25. We have we may have multiple teams in the top 10 if you're the SEC. I think about the great SEC teams that are not playing this weekend on championship weekend. If you could go add a few more of those games. Now the again, you so you would all the only reason to really be doing that, well there's a few reasons. You'd be doing it for money, you'd be doing it for TV windows. Uh, you would be doing it as a way to make sure it was fair that teams that get into their championship game don't get punished because it it just it wouldn't seem fair. It would not seem fair whatsoever if a team that gets into their championship ends up losing that game into the league championship, losing that game, and they fall out, and a team that didn't even get into their league championship moves in. That seems completely and totally unfair. And it's like it's trying to figure out what you can put in place to try to avoid that from happening. I guess the answer, the response to that is just win, just win. Like you don't have to worry as a team, just just go go win your game. Like that's that's all you gotta do. You you win, and you don't have to worry about all that other stuff. That's the message to Michigan. Just go win your game. That's the message to TCU. Just go win your game. Yeah, if if TCU doesn't win, the Big Twelve doesn't get represented in the college football playoff. And I'm a big 12 guy. I went to a big 12 school. I went to Kansas state and I, I love the big 12. I still, I, I think TCU and what they're doing this year is a fantastic example of why teams that have left the big 12, left the big 12 for more money, left the big 12 for better facilities, left the big 12 for all these other things. But when it comes to having the possibility of winning at the highest level, it's a lot tougher where you're at. It's tougher in maybe not for Colorado on the Pac-12. That doesn't count. But if you're if you're Texas A&M and Missouri and the SEC, if you're Nebraska in the Big Ten, like if, you're, if you're those schools, it's that much tougher. 
Missouri could easily, Missouri could easily put together the season that TCU put together this year. It is not out of the realm of possibility that Missouri could do that when they're playing in the Big 12 and not playing in the SEC. It is so much tougher when you play in the SEC. Look at look at who TCU beat this year. The, they are a win in the Big 12 championship game away from being in the college football playoff, and they never once during the course of the year played a team that was ranked higher than eighth, and they only played one game against a team that was in the top 10 at the time. That was Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State's not even in the top 25 anymore. Their other opponents against top 25 teams, they played an Oklahoma team that was ranked 18th when they matched up against them. Oklahoma's not ranked anymore. They played a game against Kansas, who was ranked number 19 when they played against them. Kansas isn't ranked anymore. Uh, they did play and win against Texas. That's a legit win, and Texas has turned into a pretty good school, pretty good team this year. Uh, Texas was ranked 18th at the time. They beat Kansas State. In, and Kansas State is a team that's ranked in the top 15 now. They're ranked 17th at the time. That was a game where Kansas State got their quarterback injured in the middle of the game. It was a really tight game. And then the K-State quarterback goes down, and TCU just rolls. And I'm not saying that TCU wouldn't have won that game if not for the, the K-State quarterback injury, but maybe they lose that game. And so really when you look at their, their record and their schedule, they're kind of the the one thing the, the one fluky thing that maybe had to happen was a quarterback injury against one of the tougher opponents that they played during the year that happens and what do they do they go 12 and 0 they're headed to the Big 12 championship game and if they win that they're in the college football playoff if you're Missouri you just you don't have that opportunity in the SEC that scenario that I just went through and I'm not trying to denigrate the Big 12 either because I think the Big 12 is a is a really good league with a lot of good schools, even with Texas and Oklahoma leaving. I think they're, they're a good league, and they're going to continue to be respected at about the same level that they're respected right now. But there's just more of a door for a non-traditional power to run the gauntlet, not lose, and find themselves in the college football playoff. Even when the playoff expands, like how many SEC teams can you take? How many SEC teams can you take when the college football playoff expands? And that's that's where Eli Drinkwitz is going to be challenged. Because, yeah, maybe there is a year here and a year there where they can go out and they can put together a better season than a Tennessee, a better season than a Florida, a better season than a than an Ole Miss or a Mississippi State or an LSU. But how often are you going to be better than all of them? And are you ever, are you ever going to be better than Georgia? Are you ever going to be better than Alabama? I don't know. I, I, I don't know if they're ever going to be able to have better seasons than those schools. So even with the expanded college football playoff, what's, what's, the, what's the highest number of SEC teams that get in? Like, there's going to be at least two every year. There's probably going to be three. That's that's probably the number. Like you look at the expanded college football playoff and the way it's built and the at-large teams that they're going to have, you feel like the SEC can get three schools into the college football playoff on a regular basis. Will Missouri ever be in a spot where they are 
a top three team in the SEC? And will they ever be in a spot where they're a, you know, a top 12 team in college football? I think that's a really hard thing to get to. I think it's a really, really challenging thing to, uh, to get to. And that's where leaving the Big 12 does hurt you. Because, again, the barrier to entry when you are a Big 12 school, the barrier to entry when you are an ACC school, we could say the exact same thing uh, about Clemson, right? Like Clemson has been the ACC school that has really taken advantage of being in that league. But you look at a Florida State, Florida State, could, could they're going to recruit well. They've got a good coach at, at their spot. They can go do what Clemson has done, and they can run the table in the ACC, and they can find themselves in the college football playoff. So it's just it's so much tougher in the SEC. I think it's tougher in the Big Ten as well. Those are the those are the two leagues where if you're in the Big Twelve, if you're in the ACC, certainly if you're in the Pac twelve, you know, USC is an example of that this year. USC has just kind of muddled along through the year, and they have found a way into the college football playoff. Their only loss is against uh, Utah, and they really haven't played anybody else. They, they're they going to play Utah in the Pac-12 championship game. And outside of that, their only other games that they won against impressive opponents was a win against number 16 UCLA that they won by three, and then their recent win against Notre Dame. Same thing that I just said about TCU. You get into a league like that, it's a whole lot easier to find yourself into the college football playoff. All right, a little more college football. When we get out here, I wanted to uh, kind of share a... Uh, a funny antidote about Hugh Freeze getting the job at Ole Miss. We talked about that a little bit yesterday. Something has come out since uh, he got the job, and it's very interesting. And there's kind of some red flags that go along with it. We'll explain in just a moment. My name is Matt Pauley. This is Sports Open Line on KMOX. This is America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Sports Open Line does continue here on KMOX, 314-436-7900. That's how you call. That's how you text as well. If you want to tweet at me, at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. Uh, By the way, Illinois, they are underway as they're matching up against uh, Syracuse this evening. Syracuse with the early lead. It is 13-12. They're about halfway through uh, that first half. We'll get you some other uh, college basketball scores uh, coming up later on, including how Missouri is going to do uh, at Wichita State. Mentioned yesterday Hugh Freeze getting the job at Auburn. And there was a report that came out, but now the report is being denied. Sports Illustrated and and Pat Forty, who writes for SI, who is a very well-respected college football reporter. So when he says things... You tend to believe them. Uh, But 40 reported in an SI story yesterday. I'll just read from it. Quote, multiple sources say Hugh Freeze has agreed to relinquish control of his social media accounts when he becomes the Auburn coach. Um, One source with Auburn ties said on Sunday, quote, if he's contractually obligated to stay off social media and they had to hire an OS word firm before he even starts, is hiring him really a good idea? Now, he's been a little fast and loose when it comes to his social media. Has not been great. Uh, at one point, uh, he uh, made contact on Twitter 
with a survivor of sexual assault at Liberty, uh, basically trying to defend the university for their handling of it, and he went right at her. So obviously that's a bad idea, and he shouldn't have done it. He's done a number of things in his career that you could say was a bad idea, the NCAA violations that occurred when he was at Ole Miss. And obviously the thing that stands out the most is him calling escorts. And he, in his opening press conference, it was it was odd because basically he said that everybody deserves a second chance, and he looked at the reporters in the room and said if everybody in here had their life under the spotlight as much as me, there would probably be a lot of uncomfortable situations. And there's probably some truth to that. More more people than not probably have an aspect of their life that they're not wanting to go out and advertise. But that's also part of the gig when you become a very highly paid uh, coach. And you know, more often than not, college football coaches are highest paid state employees. I, there's... The, when when you have that, well, you know what? Don't don't go do something really dumb because chances are somebody is going to end up uh, finding that. But anyways, the report from Pat Forty, which you would believe, says that they are taking away his rights to tweet freely. Uh, he was asked about that, and he denied the report, saying, "Quote." No, that's not accurate. How could you in this day and time? I think there may be some wisdom in it, though. What's probably the truth is somewhere in between, as it oh so often is. He probably can tweet, but he probably has a a social media team or a social media specialist who the tweets maybe go through. That's that's my guess. That it isn't that he's really relinquished control, but that there is a professional at the helm of his Twitter. And how much he actually gets to pull out his phone and tweet willy-nilly versus how often these tweets have to come through the social media professional, I don't know. I would doubt none of us are ever really going to find out for sure. That's what I'm guessing because Pat Forty's not going to report that if there's not at least some truth to it. So that's the world we live in where you can hire a college football coach. You can pay him millions and millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars. But you can not even trust him to run his own social media because he might say something stupid. Yep, that's the world we live in.